Welcome to the Her Soulful Success Podcast. I am your host, Diana Ricciotti, but you, my friend, can call me Dee because I know that we're about to become business besties. I'm a certified NLP business coach teaching women both strategy and mindset for a successful first year in business while juggling motherhood, marriage, and everything in between. Consider this space your weekly dose of mindset, spirituality, energy boost, and self-development because I know these are all ingredients that make for a soulfully successful you. beautiful soul and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm your hostie and I'm so freaking excited that you're here because I was so excited to interview this week's guest on the show. Her name is the incredible Belle White and she is a health and nutrition expert for pregnancy and postpartum mothers. Being pregnant myself, I could just not wait to pick her brain on all of the things. I literally had so many questions written down. We probably got through like 25% of them. Because, well, you know, I try to fit my podcast episodes within an hour and you're just going to have to work with Belle to find find out the rest, which I talk about in the episode. But what I love about Belle is that she really has a strong focus on gut health. Uh, She really like I love her ethos around it all begins with the mother. So if the mother's thriving, so too is the family. I really, really, truly believe that. This time around, it's my third pregnancy, my third child. I really want to make sure that I'm doing everything I possibly can to avoid post, avoid postpartum depletion. So this is where with all the hormone changes and I am hoping and planning to attempt to breastfeed again. I did that successfully with both my boys. Can't say I loved and enjoyed breastfeeding so much. Like it definitely takes a lot out of you and I Honestly, just also want to say like whenever we talk about these topics, I know that they can be triggering and sensitive uh, for mothers as well. I am truly in awe of every mother out there and I want you to honestly know that breastfeeding or not, uh, natural labor or not, whatever your choice has been, whatever your journey has been, I'm in awe of you because you're a freaking mom. Okay. So I personally like did not love breastfeeding. It took a lot out of me. However, I felt like it was easier than than bottle feeding. Both my boys didn't really enjoy or take the bottle very well. I also found it um, like obviously saved our household a lot of money, avoiding buying formula, saved the hassle of having to also like pump, but also make formula. I found that whole system also quite complicated and complex for myself. So my personal journey has been to breastfeed. And with that came a lot of postpartum depletion as well. So this time around in my pregnancy, I, my intention going into 2023 as well is to have like my health comes first, because again, I love this ethos of it begins with the mother and then when when I'm thriving, I know that my home and my family is thriving as well. And this is what we speak into. We really speak into how mothers can support with like starting with the basics and the groundwork of supporting their health, supporting their nutrition, supporting their gut health, and really helping mothers thrive. She's an expert in so many areas. Okay, so she focuses on gut health, yes, but also health complications in babies such as eczema. I talk a little bit about Tommy, and Tommy had really bad eczema. I know eczema is also on the rise, but also how we, you know, tend to look at symptoms when we're seeking medical advice, not always the the root cause of a problem. She's an expert in autoimmune issues, hormonal issues, and hormonal health. So we get to what we get to in this episode, but there's just so much more that you can learn from Belle. So I do encourage you to head down to the links in the bio click on the link to her instagram because you're going to get a lot more value there as well 
But for now, let's tune into the episode. Let's optimize your health. I mean, and if you're not a mama listening to this, you're still going to get so freaking much out of this episode. Belle is amazing. Wellness is not just for mums. That is obviously her niche and her area of focus. But we do talk about health, wellness, gut health, all the things. So please don't feel like you're left out. Stay tuned in. You're going to learn so much. Let's dive into the episode now. Hello, beautiful Belle, and welcome to the podcast. How are you, babe? Oh, I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm really excited for our chat, and I love that we're both mamas. Yes, I'm so excited for our chat. I can't even tell you. So I'm actually going to share why I'm excited. Um, I I was just saying to Belle before, because we always have a chat before we click record, and I was like, I can't remember how I started following you, but this, so obviously I'm pregnant again. And I've been thinking and setting intentions for next year. And a lot of them are going to be around motherhood specifically. So when I had my first two boys, I was still very much, I for the, I always say, for the lack of a better word, on my own spiritual awakening journey, my own self-development journey, they were a really big part of that because like Xavier just taught me a lot, like being my first boy, um, taught me a lot about, you know, just my energy. Um, I love how you speak about like the mother is like the core of the home and like you match it so much. I did struggle a little bit with energy levels, but also with my mindset, also with like just feeling like I wasn't the person that I was or the human that I was before working in my corporate job. So Thomas, you know, I was a little bit more well into that journey. I had already started working with healers and coaches and doing a lot of reading and things like that. This is prior to before I was a coach. Then I became a coach myself. You know, I started getting all the certifications and I feel like I've really mastered like my kind of like areas of self-development, feminine embodiment in business and probably specifically in business, but also within myself, like just feeling confident, powerful um, in my mindset. But one big area now for like my focus next year is I'm really, really wanting to now explore more intentionally conscious motherhood. And with that also comes our health and well-being for my kids and myself. I'm really, my intention is to have a very different experience that I've ever had to my first two boys, pre and postpartum. And I really like, I've only ever worked with a naturopath I'm working with now. So I'm I'm actually really excited. I didn't even mention that before. I would love to work with you at some point soon, but really, really wanting to take my um, hormones, energy level, uh, energy levels, my gut health seriously. But also I think I've definitely had some bloopers and I know some other mums will resonate with this on, you know, my kids starting their solids um, experiences with allergies. There've been many things that I wish I could go back and rewind and, rewire with the way my kids are eating and things that I've learned kind of well into their toddlerhood now that I would like to get right with this baby but also correct some things with like my new kids so a lot of the questions I'm going to ask you are going to be like things I literally want to know I was just a bit selfish conversation I love it that's a selfish conversation but at the same time I'm hoping other women and mothers will relay um that's how I can. I'm like, surely I'm not the only one, right? Surely Absolutely. Not. You're definitely not the only one. And I actually love that you've kind of come to that realization, especially mm. I think it does really start with your own health. And like, you probably know this already, but I'm very much around the mother to start with, because I think if the mother is honestly thriving and healthy and she's really um, knowledgeable in kind of what health looks like and, you know, up-to-date information in, you know, starting baby on solids, breastfeeding benefits, all of that. And she feels empowered. She's obviously going to then use her intuition and then she's going to make the best decisions for her children, which will end up in great out, great health outcomes for the kids as well. Yeah. So I think, yeah, my kind of care always starts with mum. And even when I'm working with um, maybe babies who have eczema or food sensitivities, a lot of the time it does come back to changing mum's diet as well because they're, she's the one cooking, she's the one organising the food. If she's empowered, she's obviously going to make great decisions for the kids. Yeah, I love that. And I, I truly couldn't agree more. I am definitely the, the, the human in the house that does the shopping, that plans the list. And 
I do my best to, you know, visit the organic market. Sometimes it's just coals, you know, we, we do what we got to do. Right. But I do have, I, I feel like I've, I'm not going to say I've mastered, but I've definitely focused a lot on healing my own gut health, my own, own hormones. I've had my own journey with like PCOS and things that I have reversed and come back to a really nice, I mean, I'm sure there are still areas that I could improve and do much better at. Like that's in any area of life. That's right? everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And I am now like, I'm like, now I'm at this place where I know myself, I know how to look after me. And I really, really want that to translate into my children more. And I'm noticing like, you know, as they grow older, it's really hard, much harder to instill healthier habits. They definitely consume a little or a lot more sugar than I would like, especially at at this time of the year. But what I would love to know, like as we're on this topic of starting with the mum, is you, I'm sure potentially that you have something in your own story that's motivated you or inspired you to focus on mother's health specifically first. Where did that kind of like come from? Like, what was your background? How, tell us a little bit about your story and how you came to do this kind of work specifically, because I love this niche. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. So it actually came back. It comes from my own health issues. So I was absolutely that before I had my son and before I actually met my husband, I had so many health issues. So my period, for an example, would come like every 22, 23 days. So I felt like I was having my period like every two weeks. So there was obviously hormonal imbalances there. Um, I was working like a really kind of more corporate job that was quite demanding and um, in a lot of ways like I was traveling a lot so I really wasn't looking after my health I had a lot of digestive issues so this is probably the biggest one for me and maybe this is where the passion for gut health comes into play because um, yeah I had really bad bloating I would have like so many food sensitivities I felt like I could hardly eat anything I didn't know what to eat um, I would, yeah, have like constant, you know, either like basically kind of like IBS symptoms, but yeah, one minute I'd be constipated. The next minute I would be running to the toilet. Um, I was living off coffee and then of a night having wine to calm down, you know, to like chill out from the work that I'd just um, been at. So I was kind of like that typical kind of like running the um, run of the mill kind of um, woman who just really didn't prioritize it. I would go to like the gym, but hardly eat anything that would, you know, you know, enough protein to then support what I was doing in the gym anyway. So it was really counterintuitive, but I then met my husband went on a little bit of a sort of spiritual journey, learning how to like slow down with meditation. Um, And I worked with him. He was a, he's a personal trainer and he was a health coach. Um, So he kind of helped me identify a lot of triggers and things like that with my diet. And then I actually saw some um, extra help eventually before kind of wanting to conceive. So this is where the preconception part for my journey really comes in because Um, we kind of set out on a journey together, my husband and I, to really just improve our overall health before we then conceived. So um, we did sort of like almost like a six-month gut protocol um, with an amazing um, man called Dave O'Brien who specializes in gut health. And now my husband actually has been mentoring with him for um, a couple of almost or over a year now. Um, and so he's now kind of doing um, similar to what we're talking about. And obviously then I've learned so much of him. So yeah, it all comes really back to my humble beginning with health. And then, um, yeah, basically got, got rid of, I had a parasite. I had really bad intestinal permeability, which a lot of you would know probably leaky gut. Um, so I was able to heal all of that. Could then have, eat dairy, eat things that I couldn't have before, have before. And yeah, conceived my little man like first go. <laughs> so I love that, Jody, because it's so relatable. I like so many things that you said was me. I was yeah. also, yeah, also in the corporate world, lots of too much coffee than I'd like to admit. You know, if that was your go to, I don't know, it was like the fix. Yes. Um, yeah, just that, that fix and that constant on the go, like meeting after meeting and how much can you squeeze in the day and, skipping meals meals, or then having like being so 
high lethargic that you would go to highly palatable meals yeah. and then the culture like sugar get yeah, like let's just all order pizza together on uber or you know the do- the donut round you know <laughs> where yeah. we're given donuts for our hard work on a specific day like all of those things and then the friday night drinks and then the, the you know the binge drink on the weekend because you just need like you literally don't know how to regulate yourself or wind down or slow down so yeah. you, you force yourself to do it with alcohol so i can resonate with everything that you have said um and like for me my it's funny how we all go in different directions I definitely for me it really started with like more mindset um and healing spiritually also slowing down and then kind of the interest in looking after my body came um and that's how I found and wanted to study specifically leading with your feminine for women and like coming back to being connected with your womb space and your feminine core essence. Cause for me, I was definitely that very, yeah. Oh yes. And, and I, the corporate world is the corporate world is so structured towards women being in that um, masculine role. Yeah. And it's so detrimental for our health and yeah. then going into motherhood is just, really hard for people who are so strong into their masculine as well and that's where the transition like that's where when I had my son that was that struggle because I was like what the fuck like I can't do my 150 things in a day but I still tried I still resisted then you have resentment towards motherhood then you experience all the baby blues and all of that all the emotions that come with literally having to mourn the person that you were before but you felt so celebrated for you know the high achiever that yeah so I can resonate with everything that you're saying it's and it's beautiful that we are all starting to like I love when I watch your stories I think it was yesterday or the day before how you started your morning by the lake and ended at the beach like how beautiful is that right and we it's time for us to start nurturing our souls this way and really seeing that perhaps this hustle culture really isn't working out for us when we look at mental health and all of our health issues and our gut health issues. 100%. Yeah. And stress, which, you know, we know perceived stress could even just be, you know, oh, how do I look today? You know, what, um, what you know, what am I going to eat today? Just thinking those kind of things all the time, like that is still stress. Yeah. And a lot of stress obviously manifests with um, poor gut health um, outcomes. Yes. So if we can look at stress, and I love that you said your journey started like sort of the opposite with mindset, because I think that means you're going to target stress and you're going to actually be able to, you know, implement tools to support yourself that way. And then you can come in and do some healing in terms of with food and supplementation and lifestyle. So yeah, I don't think there's any right way to go on the journey. I think um, it's all kind of, and I, I guess that's why the word holistic for me comes into mind because it is that kind of holistic approach yeah. to your life. Yeah, I know because I have some of your content, you have got, you know, some spiritual aspects that you speak into as well, which is so beautiful. I'm going to get into some gut health things with you. And I think like some of the questions that I have on my mind probably lead into that naturally anyway. But let's like talk about some tangible tips. And I know you probably have so much advice and always being respectful to my guests. Like, remember, this is not going to be tailored to you. And that, you know, if you really want something that's going to give you result, this podcast is not going to be it. This is to inspire, motivate you to look at some some things, you know, closer, but please work and reach out with Belle if this is something that you're really wanting to take seriously, because I know, you know, that sometimes you think that reading a hundred books or listening to a thousand podcasts about health or wellness is going to get you the results, but it's working alongside someone that can really guide you and can give you that closer insight that really will. So I just want to put that in there. So as we're talking through these tips, they're not specific to you and use if if this lights a little like fire in your belly feel the pull to reach out to Belle to actually work with her not to just take this podcast and write all the notes and go all right yeah I've got enough information right yeah so it'll be more personalized to you as well if you did want to work one-on-one but I definitely feel there's so many things that are quite just easy changes or swaps that you can make within your everyday life to support um, gut health and nutrition and just overall health 
100%. So my yeah. first question kind of is, let's start with pregnancy first and then go postpartum. What yeah. are some, I don't know, key fundamentals or tips that you would give to a mom that's really wanting to thrive during her pregnancy? That is where I am at right now. Yeah. <laughs> so what are some fundamentals? What are like, what's the groundwork? Yeah, I love this. I think um, the journey in motherhood really does start with pregnancy. So we, t- I talk a lot about um, made into mother. And I think starting to, you know how we were talking just about how, you know, you're in your masculine, you're kind of overachieving, you might be kind of in a role that's more pushing towards that. So I find a lot of the time when it comes to pregnancy, it's like doing the exact opposite. So it's slowing down a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, listening listening to your body and really kind of tuning into intuition while pregnant is um, vital. I think as well, when it comes to nourishment, it's going to be key in terms of building not only a healthy baby and placenta, but also you've got to remember all of the nutrients that you've got stored in your body are going to your baby's development. So if you're then not replenishing those stores through the pregnancy, so this means eating, you know, a really whole food diet with balanced meals that contain, you know, carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. And so you're getting all those macro and micronutrients through your diet and if not supplementation, um, that's really the only way then you're going to walk through obviously pregnancy feeling good. But a lot of the time, there's a lot of focus on the health of pregnancy, but really postpartum is where we see the depletion. So Mm -hmm. you're um, so right in talking about pregnancy first, because it's obviously the first step. But I think the more you can do within pregnancy to nourish yourself, the better outcomes you'll have postpartum, which is where really I find is a little bit more of a harder harder job you know you've got a newborn baby who you you know you're learning you're working out how to feed your you know your whole life's kind of being turned upside down and then you're depleted so then you're you know not getting enough nourishment Mm -hmm. for your own body to make the breast milk to then you know um help with all of the neurotransmitters so then you're ending up with mental health issues so Pregnancy, obviously preconception is really important. Pregnancy is, but then, yeah, finally postpartum. So I'm quite passionate about postpartum. But when it comes to pregnancy, I really think that, you know, eating, cutting, you know, just a few things that you can do to increase overall health is, you know, cutting out your um, industrial seed oils. Mm -hmm. So this is like your vegetable Yes. Yep. So your um, vegetable oils, your canola oils, which are used a lot and they're in a lot of um, packaged foods as well. So a lot of, sorry, takeaway, takeaway. Yeah. Probably healthy takeaway. Yes. And even when you go to a cafe, you've got to realize that like, unless you know that cafe is using olive oil, which is like very rare because obviously the cost of um, olive oil is so much more expensive than say vegetable oil they're cooking in vegetable oil. So like you are consuming those oils quite a bit. So, you know, really thinking about um, eating um, and cooking at home more yeah. um, and using we those. talk about why? Because I think this, this, this one is one that, like, so we don't have any vegetable oil in the house. Right. Um, part of the certification that I did with, I mean, my guests would have already heard this a million times, like Monica Yates, she's very big on period um, and hormonal health as part of your feminine embodiment journey. And so I learned from her a lot of the uh, repercussions of consuming vegetable oils. And, but a lot of people still don't understand the big deal. Yes. So I'd love you to just, even just a few key points about why we want to be avoiding that probably in general, but today we're talking about specifically pregnancy, but like in general, (laughs) in general, a hundred percent, I think it's something that, you know, uh, it's great because it's getting talked more about, which is really Mm -hmm. good, but these types of oils are basically heated up and the way that they're processed is um, they use really high heats that heat these, um, uh, these oils up to, and which creates basically makes them toxic to the body. So then if you think about it, you're then consuming these oils. We um, are then having, you know, that toxicity in our bodies, causing inflammation, causing, um, you know, so many different issues within the body. Um, and this then is just 
this is just one element of health, obviously, that we need to look into, but it's such an easy one that you can minimize on. Yeah. But yeah, these hydrogenated oils are basically highly inflammatory because of the toxicity um, that they contain. Yeah. So basically, when we're heating them up, when we're cooking with them, they basically become rancid in the way that the, I'm not a scientist, but from the top of my yeah. mind, the way like the molecules or the atoms like separate and like, that the the oxygen is to do with the oxygenization process or something yeah yeah, yeah. right this is why I don't do the nutrition aspect in my job but um yeah okay great so just to cover the why of some of these things because and you know what one healthy takeaway <laughs> like plates I don't know if you guys have grilled but they use olive oil just a key tip putting a burger they actually have it all over their packaging like that they use olive oil oil. amazing yes I do yeah and I feel like grilled is great because they use a hundred percent um grass-fed beef as well I'm pretty sure so so you pay for you pay for quality because they are expensive especially if you're getting them on uber you're like paying 30 something dollars for a burger but you 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 like if something is dirt cheap just know that the ingredients are going to be that as well yeah exactly yeah okay so reducing vegetable oils yeah so reducing your vegetable oils um reducing anything processed highly processed so when i talk about that i'm talking about um you know your um sugar so highly processed sugar so anything that you know is like a white sugar or brown sugar things that are obviously found in things like soft drinks or a lot of food um, does have sugar in it so just reducing that again it's not benefiting your health Um, and then with that a lot of your processed um, carbohydrates so these are things like you know your white breads your pastries Um, those kind of things again not only do they contain gluten but a lot of the time with wheat especially it contains a high amount of glycosate because obviously the processing that goes in place so they spray a lot um, they spray everything so if you're not eating organic these things then can um, you know manifest in the body as well so it's just kind of thinking about I kind of like to think about overall health as like reducing that toxic load as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And they're some of the most toxic kind of products that you're putting into your body. Mm-hmm. And I like that you're using the word reducing because for yeah. some families, for example, mine, we are half Italian over here, completely removing pastas is not something that I've ever found to be sustainable. And like, I just feel like I'm taking something away from my kids like even their tradition and they love their spaghetti bolognese but reducing is key you can't eliminate altogether would you say that like with gluten in your opinion is everyone not able to tolerate it the same or to some extent not the same because we also know there is the celiac disease etc but is gluten not tolerated by all bodies to some degree Or are there some people that tolerate it and maybe just need to look for more organic options? Like, for example, there are so many organic shops around these days that are pretty accessible, which are like mini marts in themselves. We've got a few in Adelaide here that you could literally do your whole shop in if you wanted to, um, which is super convenient. Yes, slightly more expensive, but I'm going to say slightly. And if you plan your shopping list really well, um, you plan for your fridge, you don't just go in like aisle to aisle. I can't say that it's made a huge difference in how much we're spending, but it just makes me feel a little bit better. But yeah, anyways, I digress. My question was, do you feel like every, do you believe that everybody has some level of intolerance to gluten? Is it something we should be reducing or is it something that only people that have the intolerance should be reducing or removing? So the issue with the gluten is it exacerbates leaky gut. And a lot of the population have digestive issues. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't have digestive symptoms, doesn't mean that you don't have um, issues with the gut because we know the gut is like the mothership when it comes to health. Mm-hmm. And um, 80% of our immune system is actually found and made in the gut. So I think when it comes to this, and the, again, it's going to come down to quality of the gluten. So like you're saying, this is the great thing, I think, when working with me, I'm 
a little bit more let's find healthy alternatives to some of these products rather than just cutting that all together because we know that that's not always going to be possible you for an example italian background but i love that you're talking about quality because again if we're looking at things that aren't sprayed um that are organic um things that maybe like a whole wheat um or really good quality grains as well are generally going to be a lot easier um to digest but yeah i would say overall we want to reduce the gluten intake as much as possible i think that's where people really find that they thrive with their health yeah. but it's probably the hardest part one of the hardest parts i feel like i'm negotiating with people because they're just so used to having kind of gluten with every meal yes so a lot of the time people, you know, having like, they'll have a meal, but then they'll have bread on the side yeah. or they'll have, you know, pasta with it. And I'm saying like, you know, maybe you can go for like a buckwheat pasta. Yeah. So or rice. Know, yeah, or going for a rice. Exactly. Like there's so many different options now. Um, and even some of the pastas, like I get a really great organic quinoa and brown rice pasta and honestly like you wouldn't even really know the difference yeah 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 so chickpea pastas now there's lots of different alternatives yeah there is yeah so there is alternatives and then if you are going to go for um i would go for like a durham wheat is really good because it's like high quality um wheat a lot of the time it's what they use in italy as well um so you know looking for those high quality um grains or pastas it's always going to be more beneficial yeah and I feel like it is a lot of like conditioning tradition how we grew up how we grew up eating like like you said like having that you know toast with your eggs and bacon and your avocado in the morning or whatever is just how we've been conditioned to eat our breakfast but our like our bodies are so we can what's the word we can adapt like our taste buds adapt really quickly um like one thing that I specifically remember when I was was working on reducing my, it was a gut health protocol that I went on as well. So as a naturopath and we needed to incorporate more um, bitter tasting foods in order for me to appreciate like the sugar that comes from a fruit, for example, versus just being highly addicted to processed sugar. And again, yeah. it's not to say that I don't have a chocolate from time to time, but it's just like that need for it that had to change. And I remember the tonics that I was was drinking at the beginning that she gave me were so bitter that I was gagging, right, for the first week. By the end of the 30 days, I was craving them. It was bizarre. So, like, that same taste that literally was so repulsive, so bitter. Like, I can't even tell you how bitter. It was like it's a pitch blacky green kind of concoction. And I, I just died. I was like, how can I drink this for the next 30 days? But yes. it's amazing how our bodies uh, adapt and they adapt for better and for worse. I think of like smoking, for yes. example, people that smoke. The first time that you have a cigarette is actually how your body's truly responding to that cigarette. Yes. But when you become so addicted to the nicotine, your body goes, okay, well, we're going to have to keep doing this thing now. So how yes. can I adapt to enjoying it more? So it can go both ways. So just knowing that, you know, some of the tips that Belle might be giving us might feel like, oh my God, they feel like such big changes. Sometimes little steps, little switches, but also maybe perhaps sticking to a big switch for a certain amount of time, like your chickpea pasta that might not taste, you know, the same as what you're used to or your raviolis, whatever. Um, Give it a go for just over a week and or for a couple of weeks and you might notice that you begin to actually crave that pasta versus the other one I found that as well switching milks like I've switched milk so many times um if for like my coffees in the morning gone from yes. like coconut milk from soy to from from dairy in back in the day to zymil to then soy to then almond and every single time I'd switch a milk I'd be like gross <laughs> Like I miss my old. And then you end up loving it. Loving it. Coconut milk, I remember, was one that I was like, holy yuck. I was like, yeah. how do people drink this? This is not coffee. And then literally two weeks later, it's the coffee I craved. So, yeah, 100%. I think this is the thing with making some of these changes. It's like you end up, then you go back to, say, eating something like that that's highly processed, highly sugary, and then you realise the feeling that you feel. And a lot of my mums, they're like, oh, my God, I had 
I had whatever. And I just felt so terrible after it. I had, you know, I felt tired. I had a headache. And then they're like, okay, this is why I'm staying away from these kind of foods and things like that. Because then they realize the difference. And yeah, you're right. Like you do, you get used to things. And it's all about kind of, I think as humans, we kind of don't like change too much. We like to sort of stick in our own lane, everything that we know, but the best things happen when we start to make those changes. And it can just be such a small one is just like removing kind of some of these things from your diet. And this is why mindset is so important because anytime we're talking about food, it is a sensitive topic. And like, I know for most women, I'm going to say most women, we've gone through some degree of poor relationship with food or then going into like, uh, quote unquote healthy diet for the wrong reasons and for the wrong mindset from a restrictive perspective point of view or an all or nothing approach this yeah. is something that I've now just said to myself it does not work for me like an all or nothing approach with anything that I do if I go down and go mental with any kind of like health or wellness goal of mine it and it becomes over consuming in my life and it takes me away from enjoying life or being able to give energy to other areas in my life, it's not sustainable. It's not going to work. So having that mindset of like, first of all, you're doing this for yourself. It's got to come from a place of love always, not restriction or punishment or hating yourself or thinking you're this terrible person. You've got yeah. to like love the shame and guilt of what you've, you know, you've, you, your habits before. It's got That's to right. come from a really fun, like this gets to be fun. It doesn't yeah. have to be hard and difficult and stressful it gets to be fun and yes. loved and loving yeah 100%. and if your mindset is open to that then all of that will flow through but if you're really resistant and you're like kind of not ready mentally to take on like a bit of a challenge mm-hmm. it's definitely going to make it a lot harder as well absolutely so, yeah, I love that you're talking about mindset because I think that's such a big part of it and um, so much conditioning happens you know from yeah. when we were kids or you know things that maybe our parents have said and we've kind of got to rewire some of that as well yeah um, I was actually going to say this is like before we go on this is where I go on like little tangents because this is a really cool topic if you're starting this it, okay this is a sensitive one for the kids too like when you have a baby when you begin to make these changes in your life have you experienced or maybe have some advice on setting boundaries around people who have opinions on the changes that you're making or even what you're just choosing to feed your bubs, for example? Yes. Because this is a big one, I think. One that you go on this journey, you start doing the, these changes, you start, you know, switching your pasta to chickpea pasta and then you go to Nonna's house on Tuesday night and she's like, what are you doing? You know, or oh, this is ridiculous. You're being too this or that. Yeah. I'm sure that you it have experienced that. It happens all the time with me. Yeah. Um, my family probably think I'm crazy. Well, they do think I'm crazy, but um, I've got an example from yesterday. I was actually having lunch with my some of my family and my nan, and she was like, oh, just give Leo a chip. Leo is my um, son, by the way. He's 17 months old. Um, he's, yeah, gorgeous. But he... Um, Yes, low key one of the names we're thinking of. Oh, I love <laughs> I love Leo. Okay, such a beautiful name. Yes, yeah. such a great name. Love yeah. it. So um, chip bell for God's sakes. Yeah, chip. give him a chip. Like, can't he have a chip? And I was like, Nan, I'm like, he's never had a chip. He doesn't know what chips are. He's gonna have plenty of time when he's a little bit older to make those decisions for himself. But right now, like he's a baby, he like doesn't know the difference. And I've got him eating like such a wide variety of foods. Cause like, I think you mentioned at the start of the podcast, it's like, if you start as a bait, like, you know, once they're a baby, when everything is in your control and you're putting things in front of them, they're going to be a lot more respect receptive to then eating more of like that whole foods diet. They're used to eating all of these different kinds of vegetables, meats, etc., mm-hmm. seafood. Um, but it is going to get to a point, and my husband and I always say it, that he's going to go out on his own and he's going to make his own decisions. And obviously we're going to educate him on these things, but it isn't going to be in our control anymore. And he's going to have plenty of time to have chips. So as a baby, like, why am I feeding him that? Like, it's got really no nutritional value. Um, It's covered in the oils that we were just speaking about. Mm -hmm. And it's not benefiting him. But then it's going to get to a point when he's older and he's maybe at a birthday party and, you know, everyone's having chips and it's a great time. And, you know, the fun of eating the chips outweighs maybe some of the the negative effects on those chips, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
But my nan's attitude was like, oh, that's not going to hurt him. You know, you grew up eating chips and you're fine. But the, the, the gro- oh, I like, can we just talk about the you grew up doing this? Yeah. Can we just talk about that? Like, it kills me. Everything it, it, like, like, I'm not actually fine. Like, I definitely had, I had like tonsil- tonsillitis constantly. I was in and out of the doctors on antibiotics, like, all the time, um, you know, so many different little um, health issues and immune issues. Um, I wasn't actually fine, although you might think I was. Yeah, yeah. And, like, let's define fine, right? And it, it's not, I think we struggle with this as women too because the, the the humans that raised us, you know, the village that raised us, the nana, the mum, we don't want to make them feel bad about what they knew. They did not have the same tools or the knowledge that we did. They didn't have access to that. And that's perfectly exactly. okay. But I actually think the best that they knew as well, you know. Right. And that's where that conversation can be really hard to have. But I actually love how you like your soft but firm approach with that. Like the the because I'm big on obviously when I work with clients around boundary setting and being able to regulate ourselves doing that, practicing that, you know, visualizing that. All of the things is something that I work with my clients on. What I heard like from your example is one is like softness in your your tone. It, what, it didn't come from a triggered place. It was like, man, love you so much. Yes. My lovely man. But <laughs> um, we're all good here. We don't, we don't, we're not going to have any chips. But there was also a bit of like education and like explaining as to why this, this decision is important for you. Yeah. But also knowing like, that no matter what it is that you do say or when you set a boundary, you might still upset someone. And mm-hmm. like your nan's response is probably coming from a place of being a little bit triggered by, well, if you're doing this really fantastic thing for your child, it was it, it's where our egos come out as human yeah. beings. And our nan has definitely yeah. haven't done that work, right? <laughs> to be able to be so self-aware to go, hang on a minute, I'm making this more about me right now and how this makes me feel about how I raised my kids or like raised you or, you know, then then just respecting the boundary and going back and thinking, wow, you know, that's something I learned and that's something we did differently growing up. So if if we could all have the ability to do that, it'd be easy, but we have to know that at the older generation and sometimes our mothers and other women that are around us, aunties, et cetera, they... Like we just have to be okay with the fact that they're going to feel a bit triggered. They're yes. going to potentially be hurt by the boundary that we're setting or the no, but you have to trust that they will process it, move on and respect. They don't have to love what you have to say, but it is your child. It is your health. So that's right. And I think the more you're kind of like armed with some knowledge about why maybe you've made those decisions and like maybe the purpose behind it, and you can just kind of give them that little bit of insight. Well, it's on them if they then don't respect that or if they get angry because, like, you've kind of given them the, you know, reason as well. So it's not just like a no. It's like, no, like, we don't want to do this because, you know, such and such. So, yeah, you definitely, I find this a lot with my mamas. It's like they have so many people around them. As I yeah and it's like super hard for them so yeah I think if they can kind of explain a little bit of the why I see this a lot um I'm one particular client's coming to mind whose little boy has eczema and they kind of had to overhaul everything in terms of the food that they were consuming to support the eczema and so that meant when you know um the child was going to you know the in-laws or the mum and dad's house um you know their food had to change of what they were feeding them. So she like printed them out, like exactly what I'd given her, like a little protocol, gave them like an overview of everything, you know, then they were like, oh, oh my God, I'm on board, you know, because they had that kind of background information of like why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think a lot of the time that's why, what it comes down to. Yeah. And I think it's really important to also note, because that's spot on, like if you have the privilege and you're, you're lucky enough to have family around you to support you. It is something that you truly want, but and that's where the guilt comes in. You're like, well, if I'm asking you to look like after, or maybe you want to, you don't even have to ask. Sometimes, you know, they want to watch your kids and they want to be around your babies. And it's a, remember that it's a privilege for them too, to be given that right. It doesn't take away the fact that you're allowed to have boundaries and, and rules and expectations around how they look after your kids and, and the way that they 
um, raise them, like in that time that they're, that they're there, like it's okay for you to have expectations. Don't feel guilty. It's easy to say because I'm, I'm truly still even on that journey myself now. I've done a lot of work and it's grueling, like grueling um, to just be with the emotions of someone might be hurt by me or upset by me or be judging me right now or think that I'm over the top and all of the things. However, you got to come back to your why. You've got to come back to knowing yourself, your values, and just know that just because someone's looking after your kids does not mean that you have like all your rights are gone around what you can expect from that time with them. Yeah. 100% agree. I yeah. think that's such a such a great point. Yeah. yeah. Love this. So let's lead into like, um, look, I know you probably, we could go into more. I'm sure you had more tips around post and like, pre- like pregnancy and postpartum, the fundamentals, but I'm going to move on because I've got other that's things. Okay. Well, we've just got a short <laughs> amount of time. Yes. So again, just book her in if you if you want more. That's a little taste and a tease for you. Why my we just spoke about eczema. So Tommy had eczema. Yes. Um, he also has allergies to cashews and pistachios and sesame at this point. So I had to go see an allergist, which is yep. so stressful for mothers with like with kids with allergies. It's one of the most stressful things in the world. It's so scary. You're just always yes. kind of hiding the edge what they're eating. Yes. But eczema was a funny one. Like I actually never knew that it can stem from one gut um, health and intolerances in general until I started seeing my allergist. But again, very different perspective. It was more like just stay away from these specific foods and your eczema, like the eczema will clear, et cetera. Do you have any more like proactive advice or tips to give mums who might be experiencing? Because there are a lot of kids that have mild to extreme cases of eczema. What are some of, what are some of your tips? Yes. Yeah. So this is such a big one. And um, I get so many mums are just kind of lost on where to start with eczema because obviously, um, you know, the conventional realms will tell you to put a topical cream on the eczema. And the thing with eczema is it's an external symptom for an internal issue. So actual eczema itself isn't actually the issue if that makes sense. Although that's kind of like the symptom that's coming out. Mm -hmm. So this is where the link between food sensitivities and obviously allergies are linked because it all comes back to the gut, which again, I know I speak about a lot, but what actually happens is the gut has excessive permeability. So this, again, I've spoken about it is what we call leaky gut. And it means basically the um, intestinal lining or the intestinal walls are permeated. So this means that there's little gaps within the um, the gut where food particles, toxins, free radicals, you name it, things that kind of shouldn't be leaking through, leak through. Mm-hmm. And when they leak through, so these toxins, obviously they're meant to be just in the digestive tract and processed through the body that way. But because of the leaky gut, they obviously, um, they obviously um, uh, leak through the cells mm-hmm. and the membrane lining within the gut. Then what happens, these food particles, toxins, et cetera, get in, like get a direct access to the bloodstream. And mm-hmm. so then what happens with that is we get um, allergic immune reactions. So mm-hmm. this could show up as eczema. It could show up as a food sensitivity. It could show up as an allergy. So it's basically systematic inflammation in the body causing the reaction. Mm-hmm. So the approach that you're talking about, and I see it a lot, is like either a topical treatment for eczema, which yeah. again can then have its own issues and further um, problems down the line, especially using things like steroids. Mm-hmm. Um, but the biggest thing is, is like, yeah, okay, remove the triggers. So a lot of the common triggers are wheat, gluten, which we've talked a little bit about, um, dairy, soy, as you said, uh, did you say your son has sesame Sesame seeds. Allergies. Yes. Allergies. Allergies to sesame at the moment. Yeah. Yep. Um, peanuts, things like that are all going to c- cause these immune reactions. So what it's all good to just remove those foods. And yes, you might see some improvement, but you're actually not healing the problem. And so the problem is the fact that you've got the excessive permeability in the gut, aka leaky gut. So my approach is always, so yes, remove the exacerbators. So that's step one. 
So removing those um, foods and things like that. But the next step is then actually got doing some gut healing. So we need to heal that lining that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we, we, we heal that with um, removing a lot of toxins in the environment. Mm-hmm. We heal it through um, obviously some lifestyle changes. We heal it through food and we heal it through um, supplementation. Mm-hmm. So all of those kind of things combined, we create a little bit of a heal. Once we heal the gut, we can then start to actually reintroduce some of those foods and see if we're still getting the sensitivities. And a lot of the time you'll find once the gut's healed, children can eat the foods that they once couldn't without having any eczema flares. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's pretty amazing. Um, but it is, it does mean, yeah, a little bit of an overhaul of in terms of, yeah, lifestyle, nutrition, and then obviously um, supplementation to support. Love that. Yeah. Love that. And yeah. so some things to heal. And this is actually good because I know we were talking a little bit about like pregnancy and things that like, you know, to cut out, but then maybe postpartum. And my approach is I kind of believe in, doing all of this throughout all of those stages and also for the child as well. So it is obviously going to depend on how old your child is. I work with babies and then obviously also children and toddlers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I find that once you introduce solids around that kind of six month mark, if there's already some issues, they get exacerbated by the the foods. Because again, you can imagine now you're not only um, feeding the milk, that, you know, there could be things in the milk through what the mother's diet is or through maybe the formula. But then obviously once we introduce those solids, we are seeing a lot more things leak through the the gut and then causing the immune issue. Yeah, so there's things that um, the mother can do, save the the mother's breastfeeding. So um, looking at her diet and um, putting her on some supplementation to support healing her gut. And then obviously once the baby's past six months, we can actually do some healing that way as well. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I love that approach so much as well. And luckily for me, Thomas's eczema has cleared up with age. Um, but he, I will notice that certain foods like can trigger a little bit of an eczema response out of just nowhere. Like he won't, he hasn't had it for like over a year, but he'll just start getting random patches. And I do have to be quite like aware and mindful, like what did he eat? Take a bit of a food diary and try to find the root cause of the problem but so good and yeah and it's interesting because a hundred percent I actually had no um there was no link for me between like eczema and what he was eating but when he had eczema like again lack of education it wasn't until I saw the allergist that I started realizing that there was connection there so and yeah it, it, it it was always concerning for someone that is you know health focused to be slapping on even just like not even the steroid creams, you know, a lot of the other creams that doctors and things recommend are still full of petrochemicals and things that I generally avoid in the family and for myself, but some of the more natural creams were not helping. So, you know, the fact that there is a way to look at the root cause of something is really, really important with something like eczema. Yes. Before I wrap up with a few like business related questions and how to work with you. One other thing that was on my mind really quickly was, so I kind of starting solids, but then yeah. also fussy eaters help. <laughs> those, 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 two right? those two topics. Yeah. Starting solids. What are some things that you think? Cause like there is obviously so many books about it. Mothers have quite a lot of access to information now, even through social media. There are a lot of people that provide great value and advice and tips like that. What are some of the things that you think women might be missing or mothers might be missing when starting solids that they might not be considering or is like kind of general knowledge that we all kind of should know about, you know? I love this. I love baby starting solids. I feel like it's such a fun kind of area um, that you get into. So um, I think the biggest part, to be honest, is the fact that there's probably not that much knowledge still. There's a little bit of old school information about starting solids at four months of age. 
-hmm. And the recommended, um, like all of the, you know, a few years ago, that might have been the case, but I think it was around um, 2012, they, they obviously updated everything to say that you really need to start babies on solids at six months of age. Mm -hmm. So um, it's making sure that they're actually, their digestive system is mature enough to then um, start to process and break down foods. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really important part because, yeah, I think there's still a lot of maybe medical professionals and midwives still kind of maybe saying four months and mm -hmm. starting them on things like baby cereals. So like baby cereals. Yeah, rice cereal. With the rice ice. cereal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, the thing with rice cereal, it's just a heavy, heavily processed cereal, like all cereals, basically. Yeah. And it doesn't really have much nutritional value. And because of the processing it goes through as well, it's really hard to digest. So you can imagine these little immature digestive systems trying to break down rice, for an example, and heavily processed rice. Yeah. And a lot of the time, well, all the time, they're fortified with minerals as well. So it's low quality synthetic vitamins are added to these things like iron. And you'd probably know from yourself if you've ever had to take an iron supplement, like how constipated it makes you. Yep. So the fact that, you know, there's not really that much I think there's, I think we're seeing it more and more, but just more about whole foods and introducing foods that way and, you know, waiting till six months. I think they're probably the two biggest things. Yeah. So first tip is six months. Six months, yeah. So the time to really develop their digestive system. Yeah. And second tip is starting with whole foods. Do you yeah. prefer in your, like in your, I mean, because there's a lot of, there are, different styles of introducing solids there's the pureeing and then there is the baby, um, baby led weaning but then there is also like that really um like the anxiety around potentially children choking what yep. is your take on that I actually did a first aid course so one thing that I learned about like foods that are solid that mm -hmm. how you can know whether they're a potential choking hazard or not is just by doing a finger squeeze test. Yes. So like, for example, like an avocado, if you can squeeze the avocado with your fingers, that represents the gums. Yes. And, and it's it, I, you're easily able to break it down, then you, you're probably good because they'll be able to mash that up with their, with their yeah. gum. If yeah. it's something like obviously like, like an apple um, and they have no teeth, and you do that gummy test with your fingers, it's something that's not going to be able to be broken down. So trying to maybe puree that or like, um, what do you call it? Like, what do you do with apples? Stew them. Stew them. Yeah. 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 What do you prefer the baby led weaning versus spoon feet? What are your tips around that? So I, I'm open to both. I think a little bit of, I call it co like, it's called combination feeding. So, you know, yeah. like you say certain foods you would puree and then other foods you would introduce as whole foods as finger yeah. foods, which is your baby led weaning. I know people who have just done all baby led weaning. I've known people that do, um, you know, start with purely um, purees, but um, there's sort of no right or wrong. And I think it's up to the mother as well, like how they feel about it. Because again, yeah. if your energy is very nervous that your baby's going to choke and you're really like not feeling good about it, your baby, of course, is going to pick up on that energy. Yeah. So that means we're starting to create not a great kind of um, environment for a baby to learn how to eat. Yeah. So my, my suggestion is always do what you feel most comfortable with, but research both styles as well. Yeah. So if you do start with purees, um, you do want to start by around the nine month mark to introduce um, finger foods mm -hmm. because otherwise they do become quite used to purees and they don't really understand that they have to use chewing and, you know, they have to feed themselves and pick things up. They don't really understand textures as well mm -hmm. because obviously they're just getting a pureed food all the time. So I think that's yeah. the down, one of the downfalls to purees is just being aware that, you know, they aren't really getting that wide variety of textures, tastes, and they're not really exploring the foods as whole foods. Yeah. Um, the kind of maybe the downfall with um, baby led weaning or something to look out for is just that education around gagging versus choking. Yes. So there's quite a difference. Um, and a lot of people get quite worried because they see their baby um, starting to like cough and splatter and they're like, oh my God, they're choking. But actually if they're making noise and it's quite dramatic and they're making a lot of sounds or they're, you know, even sometimes yeah. viewing up a little bit, 
that's actually just them learning and it's just gagging. It's not yeah. actually um, going to be life-threatening like choking is. So, yeah. yeah, do a first aid course. I absolutely recommend that or at least look up maybe some of the tricks on Instagram, uh, sorry, on YouTube, some of the ways to um, like first aid of how to, you know, dislodge something if your baby was choking. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's really important that um, you understand as well, like it, there's certain foods that, you know, you would serve in different ways so really understanding like you said it's got to be nice and soft like you can pinch it between your fingers um the baby can hold the whole food in their um, hand so it's got to be like the size of your finger mm-hmm. and um yeah just being really aware of like how to offer those foods so that you can go into that environment really calm and let them learn yeah. so their gag reflex is actually really quite forward in their mouth to start with. So even they just put something small in their mouth, they generally gag Mm -hmm. and that's there as a safety mechanism so that they never really shove things right down the back. Yeah. So if you, once you kind of understand that, you're like, oh, okay. Like they've only really just got it in quite shallow and they're just exploring how to use the food. Yeah. Yeah. We learned that at the first aid course. It kind of almost looks like they're literally like, about to vomit well yeah. croaking is very scary in the sense that it's silent like yes. you can actually hear much going on just distress in the face but yeah that's right yeah definitely so that's been a course I did one with tiny little tiny hearts tiny oh, hearts. amazing yes yeah. that's what I would recommend yeah yes they're brilliant yes and kids that are now toddlers who yeah. <laughs> who are now fussy eaters who yeah. are allergic to vegetables, not really, but they believe that they are. Yes. Any final tips on how a mum can stay patient but still continue to offer those foods and some maybe some do's and don'ts around that? Yeah. Yeah. So again, this is why I'm so passionate about starting when they first start solids with a wide variety of different vegetables, meat, seafoods, all that kind of stuff, because it then makes it easier when you do get into toddlerhood, when they've got a little bit more of that power struggle happening and they want to be kind of a little bit more in control of what they eat, which is totally normal. It's all part of their development. But I think it's really important that if you've kind of offered all of those different foods at the start and they like them as a baby, it's going to be a lot easier. But if you haven't, it's okay still. The biggest thing will be is you really want to make sure that you're all eating together as a family. So a lot of the time I see it's like um, the babies or the kids of the family have different food than the mum and dad. And I think this is probably the biggest area of creating fussiness because Mm -hmm. you guys know, like as mums, they want to do everything we're doing. They copy us. They want to help us. They're very much, um, you know, wanting to do what we do. And you only have to do one thing once and they copy it, you know, they're doing it. So think about that with your food. So if you're kind of eating different foods to them, they're going to be like, oh, well, why, why are you having this? And I'm having that. The other thing would be is don't offer food after what, so don't offer something just because they didn't eat the food that was offered at say dinner time. So you've all eaten as a family and there was things there that your um, toddler didn't want to eat. Just let them eat what they liked, but still serve them everything that they don't like as well. Mm-hmm. But if they don't eat anything at all, don't then say, oh, do you want a banana after your meal? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're so guilty because we're like, oh, we don't want them to go to bed hungry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the kind of the, it's a double-edged sword with that one, because then of course they know when they sit at the dinner table and there's something there that they don't like, they don't have to eat it because they get fed after. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest, um, and it's hard because you've got to be quite disciplined in terms of like setting that kind of loving boundary of not then offering desserts or foods after Mm -hmm. their food. Once they realize that nothing's coming, you will find that they will start to eat. And just remember, like, they're not going to go hungry. You know, I think so many mums are so scared. Like they're always giving snacks and they've always got snacks no matter where they go. They're on the go and they've got these snacks. That also is a part of the issue because they actually get to dinner time and they've had a million snacks. Yeah. And they're not actually that hungry. And they say they don't like the food, but I bet like half an hour before they were munching down on some rice crackers. Yeah. That's my kids all the time. They'll be like hungry. They'll be hungry. They'll tell me they're hungry. And then they'll be like, 
I'm like, okay, great. Let's go. Let's make a sandwich. No, I just want a snack. You know, and yeah. a snack. They love their snacks. It's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, most kids do. And like, I see them with snacks all the time. And like, I'm I'm quite conscious, even with Leo. Like, some if we go to the beach, like a lot of mums that I'm around, they always take snacks. Yeah. And I'm quite conscious. Like, if I'm only going to go to the beach for a little while together, he's there to play, not to eat. And then to eat, we're going to come home and we're going to eat as a family. So yeah. I think there's just little ways you can do that. And I'm not talking like if you're out for hours, obviously you yeah. can take some snacks. But <laughs> just being aware of that because I think we're definitely a culture of snacking. Yes, I completely agree. I completely agree. I love all of those tips. This was so amazing, Val. I'm so being mindful of time right now because we're going way over an hour. Okay. But I could talk to you forever. But instead of talking to you forever, like I said, I'm definitely going to um, be working with Belle at some point. I'm going to write a list of things that I want to work on Absolutely. and reach out to you. But in speaking of that, working with you, I know that you're a busy mama at the moment. You've got a little young one. You're running your own business. What? How do we work with you? What's your capacity like at the moment? Where can women find you and get amongst your energy? Yes. Oh, I love that question. Um, my Instagram is probably like my main area that I really focus on. I want to create like a community of mums who can come there and be educated, but also reach out to me as well. Yeah. So Instagram, absolutely. Um, and then I've also got my website. So it's just Bell White Nutrition. So it's B-E-L, just one L. Um, uh, and you can just head to that bellwhitenutrition.com. And I've got so many different little um, ways you can get in contact with me even if you just want to set up a call to discuss like your goals or what you want to maybe get out of it, or if you just want to go ahead and purchase a package through there as well. So, yeah. so exciting. So I just, yeah, like I said, I've loved learning all the things with you today. You're just, there's so much wisdom. Your page is full of amazing tips as well. Like that's how I like read your content all the time. So do head on over to Belle's Instagram. We'll plug everything into the show notes, but thank you so much for your time again. It has been so amazing to learn from you and we've got to get you back at some point. I think it's <laughs> for part thank two. It's just so so I would absolutely love to. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've no. so much love talking to other mamas <laughs> and so excited for your pregnancy. Me too. I'm getting excited just over halfway, but thank you again. And everyone for listening in, obviously, thank you so much. If you're still at the end of this hour, you know, you know, you've been loving the content too. So make sure that you reach out to Belle. Let me know what you thought of the episode or any other questions you have for Belle. I'm sure that she'd be more than happy to answer as well. And I'll catch you in the next episode. Fred, before you go, I need to say thank you so much for tuning in today. I know that if you listen to my podcast, that you are my human. And I love to connect with my soul sisters, business besties, align business babes on social. So send me a DM with any mindset, business or wellness questions, because my inbox is so open to you. I also read each of your reviews personally and love to personally thank you. So please screenshot them and DM me or email them to hello at hersoulfulsuccess.com. I will personally thank you and send you a copy of my 30 days of journal prompts. Also, if you haven't already, follow my podcast Insta. The link is in my bio so you can stay up to date with all the potty goffs and tag your girlfriends because you know that friends that listen to podcasts together stay together. Or is that not a thing? I don't know. But every time you share this podcast with someone, you are really helping me help more women live a soulfully successful life. And I appreciate you for that. Love, love, love you. And I'll catch you in the next episode.